All right, this is it, folks. We're back. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City in the Mitten State. I am your host, Nick Bradley, presented by the Second String. Ooh, ooh, that's a good little intro. Ooh, that's a good little intro. Elephant in the room. State lost this weekend. There, I said it. Elephant in the room. I know it. You know it. We all know it. Elephant in the room. I don't know. I don't know. I uh, When it happened on Saturday, I'll tell you, it's weird. State hasn't been like real good since 2015, maybe like, 2017 kind of, where it's week in and week out. You're expecting a win. Our goals are beyond. Let's just win today. The goals are Indianapolis college football playoff. It's been a while since Michigan State has had expectations like that. I don't think I've ever had expectations like that for the Detroit Lions. So as far as my life goes as and when it comes to cheering for a football team or getting bummed out or being happy, fulfilling expectations, falling short, as far as that goes in my lifetime, not many seasons, not many teams where I'm rooting for every game, I'm expecting a win, every game I'm thinking kind of about the future, right? I know, listen, this isn't just about Purdue. It's about the college football playoff. It's about winning the Big Ten. Not often in my life, and it's been a while since I've experienced a season like that. I kind of forgot how ass it is to lose. I forgot what it's like to lose big games. Not And not that Purdue was a big game necessarily, right? When I say big game, I think Miami was a big game, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. But just losing in general, when you have expectations, man, it's depressing. Like it's not even – usually for me, I get angry. Like when I watch the Lions where it's more so a dumpster fire type team where the expectation isn't as high, right? The expectation is, all right, let's see how long we can hang around. Those games, I get more upset. I get more angry, like frustrated watching state Saturday and they did so many things to get frustrated about so many things, but I found myself just kind of like, uh, like in a depression, (laughs) in a depression, in a deep, deep sadness in a state in which I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, you know, if, if nobody minds, can we turn the television off? Can we turn all the lights off? Can everyone be quiet? And I'm just going to lay here for the rest of the day. Like that's the stage I entered. Wasn't angry. Didn't want to yell. Didn't want to scream. Didn't want to complain about the game. I just wanted to lay there in darkness and in silence and just let time pass. Um, I think that is depression. I think that essentially qualifies as depression, but it's funny coming off a two and four season or whatever state was last year. And the last couple of years of the D'Antonio era, they weren't winning games. There was no expectation. I've somehow forgotten what it feels like to lose games as a college football fan. Now it's like I've forgotten how to move on. It's like, oh, state lost today. I mean, Saturday's a big day of the week. Saturday's the day you don't want anything going wrong, wrong on your Saturday. Saturday's the day of the week where everything's supposed to go right. You get to watch MSU. You have plans with your friends. People are out and about, restaurants, bars, the whole nine yards. 
Saturday, everything's supposed to be perfect. I don't want to be bummed out on a Saturday. I don't know how to cope with my favorite thing disappointing me on a Saturday of all the days on a Saturday. I don't know how that works. I'm not used to that. And I've forgotten, even though it's happened time and time again over the last five, six years, I've, I like forgot what it's like to have my team lose a meaningful game. And it was not fun. Like I said, just sad. Usually I am more of an anger guy. Usually I'm a yell at my television guy. Usually I'm a, oh my God, how are you not doing this? Or why'd you do that type guy? Let's just turn the lights off. Um, you know, if nobody can talk to me, that'd be great. Uh, turn off the television. I'm going to put my earbuds in. I'm going to blindfold myself. And again, if nobody could talk to me, that'd be ideal. Like that's where we were at. It was sad to see. It was sad to see. I don't know how most state fans took it. I don't know if people were like pissed because it's tough too coming off Michigan where Michigan's a better team than Purdue, right? Bigger game. You figure out a way to win that one. And then you go into Purdue and kind of just lay an egg. It was one of those games where MSU, I mean, Purdue got the early score off the Kenneth fumble and then state answered. And once it was seven, seven, it was like, all right. So state had the bad start, you know, they took the blow from Purdue, but state answered. We're right back here. Now let's win the game. Ever since that way, well, it was seven and seven, seven. It just felt like a game where state could not get back on track. Like they would give a little hint right in the second half. They made a little bit of a comeback. They tied it up again. I want to say they, they would crawl back. Like they'd get close again where it's like, all right, we're here. It's even, we've made the comeback. The hard part's over. Now you just got, it's zero, zero. Now you just got to go out and beat them from this point. You're the better team. You can do it. But every time State got close or every time Purdue kind of let them back in and they drew it close or State had an opportunity to take a lead or take control of the game, every fucking time they didn't. Every time they fell short. Every single time they could have gotten off the field on third down. Nope. Every single time they could have had a huge drive to answer and to take a lead or to tie a game. Every time it felt like state got the ball and you kind of looked around the room and said, well, we need the score here or we're going to lose the game. Every time that happened, it felt like state was just a little bit short every time on defense, on offense, on special teams. It was just one of those games that once Purdue kind of got ahead, it was like a basketball game is what it felt like. You know those games where your team's in it, like it's a close game, you're down like 5 to 10 the whole game, right? Every time you kind of, all right, it's a four-point game, it's a three-point game, you bring it within a possession, next thing you know the other team goes on a 6-0 run, now it's nine points again. It felt like one of those basketball games where you're clawing, you're hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, you're waiting for the run, Right, all all game. You're just waiting on your team to make that run and take the lead back and take control. Multiple different times they bring it back within a possession, bring it back within three, four, five points, and you're like, all right, just get a stop in a bucket and we're here. Get two stops in a bucket, we're here. Every time you get to that point, five oh run for the other team, back to ten. Anytime you get close, the other team just pulls back away. You can't do you, it's like you just couldn't seal the entire deal. You could get some of the way there, could not get the whole way there. Always happens in basketball, it feels like. And that's what happened to state 
uh, against Purdue on Saturday. They just, they could, they kept getting within striking that distance, kept looking like they were going to make something happen, kept bringing it back, bringing it close, bringing it even. And every time they got to that point where it was like, all right, now you're here. Now you can win the game. Purdue scores 10 points in a row. Purdue marches down the field and scores effortlessly. Purdue runs a double reverse screen play that goes 40 yards of the house. Every time State got where it was like right there, like, hey, we need to stop. We get the ball back. We're going to win the game kind of thing. Every time it got to a critical juncture, a critical momentum drive, a critical points drive where hey, Purdue just scored a touchdown. The defense can't stop them. Peyton Thorne, Kenneth Walker, we need to score a fucking touchdown. Three and out every single time we needed something out of state, whether it was to take control, whether it was to tie the game again, whether it was to bring it back for the third time, whether it was to initiate the comeback in the late fourth. Every single time we needed it, we needed a stop. We needed the first down. We needed to play. We didn't get it. And Purdue did nothing but make plays. They did nothing but get stops when they needed them. It was quite the opposite. It really was. It was quite the opposite tale of the tapes. I mean, Purdue made the plays, right? Purdue's offense looked like they were playing against a fucking middle school team. I don't even know. It's hard to say that Purdue made the plays when they needed them because they just made fucking every single play the entire game. Um, They were just awesome. They dominated the game. They dominated Michigan State's defense. It was embarrassing watching State play defense. It was fucking mind-boggling watching Purdue run the same three plays over and over and over and over and over, and MSU just simply refusing to change their strategy and change the way they try to defend it. All Purdue did, yeah, they had a couple trick plays. Outside of trick plays, the only thing Purdue did all day was run slants, was run sprint outs, and was run curls. Only plays they ran the entire fucking game. Sprint, slant, curl, sprint, slant, curl. Anytime, third and short, curl. MSU looks at it like, whoa, I've never seen someone run that route before, even though it's the fifth time they've run it that quarter. That drove me nuts. That drove me nuts, and credit to Purdue. They realized, hey, these guys don't fucking understand what short passes are. These guys don't realize they don't have any sense of the word pattern. Um, They don't have any sense of the word tendency. These guys don't realize all we do is throw it five fucking yards every single play. So guess what? We're going to just do that all game until the clock's out. Credit to Purdue. That's exactly what they should have done. It's exactly what they did, and State fucking lost because of it. I don't know why in God's name State seemingly allows everybody that short passing game because it's not just Purdue. The complaints that have come against State's defense, Western Kentucky, same shit. Indiana, same shit. Nebraska, shit. Every single team we play, every single team that has success through the air against State, they're not airing out deep balls. They're not throwing 40-yard posts, taking the top off the defense. They throw eight-yard curls 10 times, and then they get in the end zone. They throw four-yard slants every time it's third and three, and they never have to punt it. They Anytime they need a play, they need someone to get open, they run a sprint out to the wide side of the field. And every single time, somehow, it's more wide open than the last time. That was the tail of the tape. That's why Michigan State lost the game. The lack of adjustments. I don't know. I hope to God 
I don't know if it was the lack of awareness by state, like the lack of realizing, wait a second, all they fucking do is intermediate passing. I don't know if nobody realized that. Um, that would be alarming if nobody realized that because you watch a quarter of that game. You watch Purdue, really? You watch Purdue a drive. You watch one drive for Purdue and it's like, oh, so all they're going to do is just throw it short. Essentially a run game, but with hitches, slants, and outs. That's essentially what they do. All they're going to do is throw it short. Um, they're going to keep moving it down the field and eventually they're going to score because we keep letting them throw it short, pick up yardage, pick up first downs. I don't know if it's a lack of awareness that state like didn't even realize that was the entire fucking game plan their offense hinged on or if state was like, oh, even though they've scored 30 points the first three quarters running the same three plays, this fourth quarter it'll be different. It was either we don't know what's going on or we refuse to make an adjustment to try to stop it. Either way, terrible option. Um, both make me angry. Both are the reason, the only reason I feel bad about the game is coaching staff. Uh, that's your fucking job, right? It's not like the state defense has been elite all year, but when they've needed to be, it's felt like they've kind of buckled down. When they need stops, they can find a way to get them. Maybe in the first quarter, in the second quarter, they give up those little intermediate kind of little chunk plays where, all right, you get five yards here, four yards here three yards there, six yards there. They kind of give those up early, but as the game goes on, it's felt like state tightens up on them and starts to disallow those intermediate and short passes. Not the case against Purdue. They let them do it all fucking game, including Purdue's last drive. They still were just throwing it on us to pick up first downs and ice the game. That drives me nuts. That drives me nuts. And again, I I know the, the classic armchair coach, armchair GM, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm not a – I don't get paid to coach football, obviously. So you would think Scotty Hazleton, Mel Tucker, whoever is responsible for the defense, they know more about it than me. They're smarter than me. They'd be better suited to be a guy making adjustments to stop a defense – or to stop an offense. While that may be true, how – how can I watch a drive and go, oh, they run three schemes over and over again. You tell the corners, hey, you know what? You guys just play flat because that's all they want to fucking do. Um, and then safeties, if they go deep, that's you. It takes a drive of watching Purdue to realize this is their entire fucking offensive game plan. But we got coaches making hundreds of thousands of dollars that didn't do it, that didn't see it, that after three quarters of being thrashed by it, still, still did not make a change to try and stop it. Still, in an undefeated season, in a sport where every time you lose a game, unless your name's Alabama, every time you lose a game, probably just cost you an opportunity at something probably just fucked you out of something in a game like that and against a team that you are capable of beating and they still just choose not to make adjustments like i get the philosophy too if you're looking at it going oh well you know we'd rather give david bell the five yard hitch than the 30 yard post okay but you're losing 
you're going to lose the fucking game because of the David Bell five-yard hitch. You are getting steamrolled as a defense because of the David Bell five-yard hitch. At some point, you have to commit to taking the five-yard hitch and saying, you know what? The 30-yard post beats us now, then we just think in general we can't stop either. Basketball, you think teams are like, hey, we can't let Steph Curry beat us with threes, so let's just give them open layups all day. (laughs) They're going to lose the game. (laughs) You're going to lose the game by that. You're going to lose the game. Oh, you know what? Threes count more. They're bigger plays. He's really good at threes. Gets the crowd into it. Let's not let him shoot a single three today, but he can have 30 layups. That is still going to lose you the game, and that's exactly what State did. And again, the last time I'll mention it, because now I'm starting to get angry, and I don't want to be angry because I actually do still feel kind of good. I feel excited about this team. There are there are positives, which I'll get to in a second. But again, for three quarters, those five-yard hitches roasted you. We're in the process of costing you an undefeated season. We're in the process of you having your first loss to fucking Purdue. And you still chose to ignore it. That is inexcusable. That's your fucking job. How is it that I can watch the ser- one series of Purdue offense and go, all right, you stop the slants and the curls. They can't run the ball on you. So what the fuck are they going to do? All the, Their whole offense is the quarterback gets it. He has it in his hands for a second, and he throws it. They can't run it. Every time they run it, they get stuffed. The only time they air it out over five yards is on trick plays. No adjustments. No one like, hey, guys, um, that's the seventh screen pass they've run this drive. Maybe we should start accounting or planning on the screen more. Hey, guys, that's the eighth curl David Bell's caught today. Maybe, you know, start anticipating that. Maybe change up the strategy. Say, you know, we're not going to let him catch another curl. If this QB, this O'Donnell kid can throw a 50-yard fade on the money, and if he has enough time to hold the ball and make that throw, so be it. But you know what he's not going to do? Get the ball out in a second and complete it to David Bell for his 10th reception on an out route today. He won't be doing that. Like at some point, it's the Matt Patricia thing I've said a trillion times where the thing that always drove me crazy about Patricia, even though he was a dickhead, arrogant rocket scientist, the number one thing that always drove me nuts was his inability or his refusal, whatever, his insanity, essentially, his refusal to do anything about the fact that the Lions never once have pressured a quarterback. He was three years into his tenure. Never once do they get pressure. And he still did not seem to realize that that could be a factor as to why his defense is an absolute fucking joke. That's what drove me crazy with Patricia. Now, he did it for four years, right? Um, so And he's supposed to be a defensive wizard. So he's going to fire me up a little bit more than an eight and O team that does it one time in year two, year one and a half really of the new coach's regime state. I got way more patience for state. They've there. They are successful right now. So everyone's entitled to a bad day. That happens. Matt Stafford had a bad day yesterday. He's still the MVP. The Rams are still going to win the super bowl. Everyone has bad days, but I can't let, I can't see something like that happen again. If that happens again, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Penn State, whether it's this week at Maryland, whoever, and whether it's short passes or it's the running game or it's deep passes, whatever, if State plays another game 
where the other team's offensive strategy is to do one thing and they do it for four straight quarters and beat state because state four, four straight quarters, once again, refuses to adjust and make changes and re-strategize for stopping the way they score all their points, then I'm going to get angry. If we play Ohio State and they are torching us with curls and outs and screens and drags, I'm going to be very fucking angry because it's the same shit Purdue did and we still would not have changed it. We still don't have an alternative plan to stop it. I don't know if we can't recognize it or we refuse to stop it. Either way, it'll be inexcusable. That If that happens, if we lose again in that similar fashion, then we got problems. Then we'll have beef, whether it's Scotty Hazleton, Harlan Barnett. I don't know. But if that happens again, I'm going to have beef with somebody. I mean, with even Mel. Buck stops with Mel. You got to fucking ident- infiltrate the dealer and find the supply. I don't know who it is that refuses to adjust to five-yard curls being the reason you fucking lose games, which is a joke. Should never be the re- – dinking and dunking should never be the reason you lose a game. There's a reason people get shit on in the NFL for dinking and dunking. There's a reason quarterbacks who all they do is dink and dunk get made fun of because they they – Their offense, they can't do anything else. They can't run the ball. They can't throw it deep. All they can do is hold it for a second and throw a two-yard out. That's like the lowest form of offense. That is the least developed, least effective form of offense, and MSU just got throttled with it. Yes, there were a handful of trick plays that fucked them. State did some stupid shit, turnovers, bad penalties that flipped field, field position, whatever. In the end, They just got throttled by the lowest form of offense for four quarters and refused to do anything about it. That drives me absolutely nuts. Can't let it happen again. Now, bright side. Bright side of this. First thing, 2015, college football playoff. Michigan State was 8-0, went on the road, lost to Nebraska. Not a great Nebraska team. Not a team that it was like, oh, man, ranked matchup. Nothing like that. A team they should have beaten. Right, a team people expected them to beat. They went on the road. They lost to Nebraska. Went on to beat Ohio State, Penn State, college football playoff, Big Ten champions. Ended up being the best season Michigan State football's probably ever had outside of the natties from the 60s. That's a positive, obviously. This loss doesn't end it. This loss hasn't even come close to, to ruining State's dreams. This loss, to be honest with you, yeah, it's going to move them back in the poll. Yeah, in the college football playoff. This loss is meaningless. You beat Penn State. You beat Ohio State. Obviously, you have to beat Maryland. But if Michigan State wins out, you're in the college football playoff. Even if you win that game against Purdue, you have to beat Ohio State unless Ohio State lose. If we're assuming Ohio State does not lose a game this season, right outside of Michigan State, if you assume Ohio State beats everybody that doesn't wear green and white, you still have to beat Ohio State. Being undefeated with that winning against Purdue this weekend, being undefeated and then going to Columbus and losing, Ohio State's going to the Big Ten Championship. They're going to go to the playoff. And people are telling me, oh, a one-loss MSU team might get in. I don't really think so. The only way that happens is if we lose by like, three or less to Ohio State, right? And if Georgia or Bama has two losses. 
if Georgia and Bama each have a loss, they're both getting in. Ohio State in that scenario is getting in. And I don't think they put in one loss, not Big Ten champion Michigan State, over Cincinnati, over Oklahoma, over Oregon, over who else is up there? Who else is up there? I can't think of I can't think of anybody else. But those three teams, I don't think you're getting in. If there's an undefeated team, I don't think you get in over them. I don't even think like a two-loss Bama to a one-loss Michigan State might make the cut, to be honest with you. I just don't think an MSU team that loses that Ohio State game does not win the Big Ten. I don't think you get into the playoffs. So this is a good thing because that Purdue loss is essentially obsolete. You still have to beat Penn State. You still have to beat Ohio State. Those games, you were always going to have to win. You were. You were. The the chances of losing that Ohio State game and still somehow making it into the college football playoff are so, so slim. I don't even acknowledge that they're real. And besides, in that scenario, you also don't win the Big Ten. Even if you make the college football playoff, you don't win the Big Ten. I want to win the Big Ten. I want to make the college football playoff. That Purdue loss means nothing. You got to beat the best to be the best, right? You were never going to get by skating, never playing the big boys. You beat one of the big boys. You beat Michigan. Two more left on the schedule. Yeah, you lost to Purdue. Shit happens. Everybody has bad days. It is what it is. Going undefeated in any sport, especially in football, especially when you got a banged up roster, no kicker, two corners that are injured, no left tackle when their best player is a defensive end. Shit happens. You're going to lose games. Coming off an emotional win, a huge win, the biggest game anybody on that field has ever played in. Shit happens. You're going to lose games. It is what it is. I'm excited. Obviously, because that loss, I don't think, impacts the college football playoff or Big Ten hopes. You got to win out either way. I like it because I'm excited to see how these guys bounce back. Right? It's easy. It's easy to be in a good mood. And I love playing for Coach Tucker. Keep chopping. MSU, we're under it. It's easy to be fucking Mr. Rah-Rah pump-up guy when you're at 8-0. Nothing's going poorly. It's all fucking rainbows and lollipops. It's easy. All right, you lost a a game to a team you probably shouldn't have. You're going to roll over and fucking quit? Or are you going to say, nah, dude, I fucking hate losing? That is never going to happen again. Maybe we took him a little lightly. Maybe we were still celebrating that Michigan win. Whatever the case may be, are you going to roll over and say, well, eight wins, like we were supposed to have four wins, eight win season, whatever. We lost to Purdue. Eh, It was fun. We beat Michigan. Or are you going to say, fuck that? We're not losing again. We know. We know we got playmakers in this building. We know we can beat Ohio State. We know we can beat Penn State. We're going to go out there and prove it. People can talk. They can they can say we're frauds. We're going to go out there and fucking show them we're not frauds. We're the Big Ten champions. I'm excited to see how they respond because it's easy to come out and everybody's positive and happy and it's all good. Nothing can go wrong when you're 8-0. Lose a game to a team you didn't, you know, you shouldn't have lost to, or at least on paper. You lose a game in which everybody, the offense isn't great. The defense is fucking brutal. Special teams is brutal. Nobody really played well. You lose a game like that. The coaches weren't great. Everybody, like, check check the egos at the door kind of thing. A little bit of a gut check. 
like every they might have been getting a little high and mighty like damn we're in the college football playoff it's Mel Tucker's second year fuck dude we were supposed to be bad this year now we're in the college football playoff we just beat Michigan everybody like you could be sitting that in the building everyone's kind of like dude we're here we're fucking sick Uh uh-uh you better bring the heat every Saturday or you can get beat by anybody I kind of like this like make sure everybody like I get we're eight and one guys I get we're a top 10 I get we're having a great year if I'm Mel Tucker this is what I'm saying but let's fucking realize with a job is far from done like we haven't proved shit yet we haven't accomplished shit yet I get it. It's cool being undefeated. It's cool seeing yourself by Georgia and Alabama's logo. I don't give a fuck. I'm excited to see how they respond. I'm excited to see how the coaches respond, how the strategy changes defensively, especially. I'm excited to see how Peyton Thorne responds, dude. I would love one time, like if this team is going to be one of those teams, you beat Ohio State, you beat Penn State, Peyton Thorne, you got to be that guy at some point. And he hasn't been bad. I don't think he was too bad against Purdue. He wasn't great, though. Peyton Thorne, to some level, you got to be that guy. You got to say, fuck this. I'm making plays. I'm doing whatever it takes. Kenneth Walker is that guy. Absolutely. Right? Only five carries in the second half. Also terrible. Kenneth Walker is that guy. Peyton Thorne. Like, eventually, you're going to need to throw the ball. Eventually, you're going to have to stop taking sacks. Eventually, you're going to have to be better about pulling the ball and running and escaping the pocket. Eventually, you're going to have to make some plays where it's the backyard and it wasn't drawn up. Eventually, I need to see more from Peyton Thorne than I hand it off and I hit guys that are wide open. I don't know. I'm excited, though. I'm excited to see how the boys bounce back. I still feel good. That loss doesn't change anything. Yeah, it sucked. I'm I'm good today, though. New week, I'm ready to see them get after it. I'm ready to see how they change. I'm ready to see a little bit more hunger, a little bit more edge and attitude. I'm ready to beat fucking Maryland. That's how I feel. All right, we'll take a quick break. Um, We'll do some Red Wings in Michigan. Call it a day. All right, let's talk some Michigan football. Win. Good win against Indiana. Um, That game kind of sucked ass, actually. I watched most of it. Very boring, I thought, but Michigan dominated. I mean, Indiana, I don't know what happened to the Tuttle guy that started against MSU. Indiana's fucking bad. I cannot believe Michigan State didn't just annihilate them. I don't want to make this about MSU, but every time I fucking mention them, I think about MSU. Anyways, similar to the Purdue game, last thing I'll say about State, similar to the Purdue game, it feels like Michigan State's offense, like you look at the weapons. I know Jalen Naylor's out now, but you have Reed, you have Kenneth Walker, Peyton Thorne. Like, he feels like a guy that should be very good. Every time MSU has the ball, it feels like a team, or at least for me, I'm like, we should score at three points minimum. Every time State has the ball, they should be able to move it. They have playmakers. The way Jay Johnson, like, He's been good this year, Jay Johnson. It feels like sometimes he kind of just gets complacent and lazy and calls stupid shit or just calls the halfback dive where it's like, Jay, I've seen you make a halfback dive look like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Like, can we keep that energy always? I don't care if it's Purdue. I don't care if it's Michigan. Some of the plays he called against Michigan, they went up tempo. They just didn't do it against Purdue. That fourth down play, they're going up tempo. Like some of these things he does are brilliant. 
are brilliant and they totally do affect the game, especially some of the tempo he worked against Michigan. They open holes. It's easier to block. Guys are out of position. And then he just doesn't do them against other teams. Like, Jay, that tempo, when we would get up to the line and snap it, at least at least two, I think three of Kenneth's touchdowns were on plays like that. We picked up a first down or maybe got close to a first down, ran up to the line, snapped it. He houses it. People are out of position. It's six versus five. Like, the numbers are off, and he houses it. But then when we play Purdue, it's uh, let's let's huddle every time. Let's take our sweet ass time. I don't know what that's about. He, it feels like he gets less creative. Like instead of these stretch plays that play on Kenneth Walker's strengths, he's like, yeah, actually, let's run halfback dives. That shit drives me nuts. But what I the whole reason I started this is because watching Michigan beat Indiana Saturday, I don't understand how State didn't blow those guys the fuck out. Like they should have annihilated that football team. Indiana's bad. Michigan State should have annihilated those guys. I don't know how they didn't. Again, all I was thinking about is how did State not score every fucking time they got the ball? I felt that way against Purdue as well. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, um, Indiana I don't think is very good. Michigan, good win for them, especially because Michigan – it's interesting how the dynamics play coming off the battle for Paul Bunyan where State, emotional victory like – Probably winning that game, winning that Michigan-Michigan State game mentally or psychologically, whatever, probably hurts MSU more because MSU, you're probably a little bit still celebrating. You're still thinking about Michigan subconsciously. You probably feel accomplished like, oh, eight, no, we just beat a top 10 team, just beat our rival. Where Michigan, those guys still have everything in front of them. They're same boat as fucking uh, MSU losing to Purdue. Michigan still got everything in front of them. Yeah, they got to beat Penn State, Ohio State. They got everything in front of them. They're even more hungry. They thought they were the better team. They weren't. They lost to Michigan State. They're getting fucking clowned all week. You don't think that made them a little more motivated? They wanted to come out against IU and just kill them, prove to everybody that, hey, you know what? We are the, we're, we are the truth. We do belong. It's funny how winning that MSU-Michigan game I think is a disadvantage the following week to MSU just mentally and to Michigan was an advantage because I think those guys came out like, fuck these guys. Like that defense, Aiden Hutchinson, Ojabo, all those dudes, Dax Hill, I think they came into the IU game Saturday and were like, these dudes, like we're going to fucking dominate. We will do- I don't care if the offense scores 10 points. That's all we're going to need today. We will dominate Indiana. It felt like that was kind of the approach and the mentality of Michigan, and it was obvious. I mean, the defense dominated. Ojabo was nutty. Hutchinson's nutty. Dax is a beast. It still is mind-blowing to think that State just tore him apart with Kenneth Walker. It, I Like, Ojabo and Hutchinson, like, for real, are, are playmakers. They're difference makers. Those guys start on any team in the country. Even Dax Hill. Even Dax Hill. I mean... I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to think about, but they took over. They dominated. They, and again, they even more so than the offense probably came out with a chip on their shoulder. Like, fuck, we just gave up five tutties to Walker. Like we're proven. We're out to prove some chip on the shoulder game for that defense, but they dominated. Michigan looked good. Michigan looked how Michigan's looked all year. I haven't watched them every game. I've probably watched like, well, probably three or four, probably four now. Um, but when I have watched them, they look good. 
They look dominant. The defense does look like a defense where you're going to need fucking talent to score on them. Your running back's going to have to be good. Your wide receivers are going to have to be good. Your QB's going to have to be good. Your O-line's going to have to be good. Like, that's how the defense looks. It's a, The defense looks like a unit that will only be beaten or only really be challenged by an opposing offense that is good, that has talent across the board, that is able to hold their own in the trenches, that is able to put moves on Daxton Hill, that is able to break a tackle from Aiden Hutchinson or Ajabo or whoever from the backfield. Like, they're a unit defensively that if you're under under equipped, I guess is the best word, like you don't match up talent wise. I don't care how fucking clever your scheme is. I don't care how many trick plays you pull out. If you don't match up talent wise, their defense will win the game. Their defense will shut you down. Their defense will say, hey, Cade, 13 points will do it tonight. That's the way their defense has been most of the year. State being the one outlier, but they were right back to it against Indiana. They were impressive. They were impressive. It was a good win. Um, again, they needed to win. Like I said, they probably came into that game a little more motivated, which that rightfully so. They absolutely should have. But they needed to win. They took care of business. They're in the same fucking spot Michigan State is. They went out there at assuming State loses again. I mean, the only situation in which Michigan wins out and doesn't get in is if State wins out. Um, because state has the tiebreaker. So in that case, state's big 10 and who knows, maybe Michigan would get in with a loss to state. I don't know how that would all go down, but they need to win out. They need to win out. And this week, this fucking week is, it feels like Harbaugh's job. (laughs) This week feels like the Harbaugh era this week against Penn state on the road, happy Valley, a place the University of Michigan football team has not found much success in in recent years. Kind of not to the level of Ohio State because Ohio State has just been pure and utter domination by the Buckeyes and it being their biggest rival. But Penn State, it feels like the last few years, really since Harbaugh's gotten there, Penn State feels like they've just had Harbaugh's number. It feels like Michigan hasn't figured out a way to beat them. It feels like Michigan has never had an answer for them. And even the thing is, Penn State, some of those years, has been an elite team where they're fighting for the Big Ten, they're fighting for the playoff. But even some years where, like this year, I don't think Penn State's elite. I think they're pretty good. I mean, they're Penn State. They're going to have talent. They recruit well. They're going to have good football players. I don't think they're elite, though. I don't think they're as good as others think they are. A lot of people talking about how Penn State, oh, don't forget about Penn State making a run for the Big Ten. Um, I don't think Penn State's on that level. I know they played Ohio State well. They got Clifford back. They've got some other playmakers. I just don't think they're that good. I've watched them a few times, and they are I don't really get it, to be honest with you. like I've watched them a few times. That Ohio State-Penn State game, I'm sitting there like, bro, why is this even close? How is Ohio State not beating these guys like 42 to 10? Honest to God. I just don't think Clifford's that great. I don't think James Franklin's that great of a coach. I don't think they have the Saquon this year, right? Like they don't have that guy like a Kenneth Walker, right? Not to keep bringing Michigan State back up. I just don't see it, to be honest with you. I really don't. Again, they're good. They're going to have playmakers. If you fucking think you're just going to roll into Happy Valley and beat them, you're out of your mind. They're going to give you a game. 
they still have their goals in front of them. They're going to be – it's not like they're playing not to lose or they're playing spoiler. They're playing to make the fucking Big Ten championship too. James Franklin, his name's always, you know, hot seat, rumor mill, this and that. He wants to win this game. Michigan's a school and a top 10 team. Um, I think Michigan's a school where no matter who you are, when they come to town, it's like, all right, let's give this get these guys a little more juice, right? Especially the big three or the big four in the Big Ten East. Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Any of those four teams – whether they're going to some of the other Big Ten teams' places or they're playing each other, whenever those four teams are involved, it feels a little bit bigger, especially when one's a top 10 team, one's got their eye on the Big Ten, one's trying to make the playoff. It always feels like they get a little bit more juice. Like Purdue. I think this week, if Purdue had played Maryland this week, who knows? Maybe they fucking lose to Maryland. I think the fact that Michigan State ranked third in the playoff coming off an enormous win that had to add juice. That had to add juice for Purdue. That had to give Purdue a little bit like, all right, fuck these guys. These guys are riding high. They think they're made. Fuck these guys. You know, Purdue came with a little juice. I think Penn State, they're going to come with a little extra juice. They're going to have the juice because they got goals and things they want to accomplish. I think they're going to come with a little extra juice, but I'm very excited to see the game Saturday because, like I said, this is Harbaugh. Um, you lose this game, you can forget about the big time. Ohio State's not losing twice. If you lose this game, forget about Ohio State, right? You lose the Michigan State, you lose the Penn State, forget about beating Ohio State, right? If you lose this game, I think Jim Harbaugh's done at Michigan. I don't think they'll fire him that day, but I think at least – at least if they lose this game, no matter what happens the rest of the way, honest to God, even if they beat Ohio State, but at that point, Ohio State, you know, it doesn't matter. Ohio State still makes it. If they lose this game against Penn State Saturday, I think at the very least, there are serious discussions at U of M like, all right, fucking, we got to get rid of this Harbaugh guy. He's not even getting to the point where that Ohio State game determines anything anymore. If he loses against Penn State, you go in two losses, Ohio State, Unless they beat, unless Michigan State beats them, right? They're probably not losing a game in the Big Ten. You go into that game with two losses. It doesn't even matter if you beat Ohio State. They're still going to the Big Ten championship. And the only way it does matter, right, would be if Michigan State beats Ohio State. And then your win over Ohio State doesn't matter because Michigan State's in. Like if you lose Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, well, Ohio State can lose one. Michigan, Michigan State are in the same spot. You can't lose a game. You can't lose another game this season, right? But Jim Harbaugh, you need to get to the point where Ohio State matters. The scheduling's tougher because you have to pay, play another very good team in Penn State first. MSU, it's Maryland and then Ohio State, so they, you know, fucking knock on wood. They should get to that game still with the one loss. If Michigan loses to Penn State and you're not even playing Ohio State for the chance of anything, I think real conversations start to come up like this fucking Harbaugh guy, dude. We're not even the one year we beat Ohio State. It's meaningless. Like It'll be hot seat season. It has to be. It has to be. It's year seven, too. Like Put that in perspective. Mel Tucker's like barely year two. He hasn't been here for two years, calendar years. He's barely year two. 
He's barely been able to recruit. He's had one season of installing a defense, an offense, practicing in person. He beat Michigan already. He's one lost team. He's got everything he wants in front of him. You're in year seven, and you're not even getting to the Ohio State game with meaning behind it. That That's unacceptable. That has to be unacceptable, unless you're fine with never winning the big time. That has to be unacceptable. But this is a huge game. Another reason, too, I think this way is it's one thing when you play Ohio State, when you play Michigan State this season and you lose to another really fucking good team. Like when you lose that game to Michigan State, they're the third football playoff team. They're undefeated. It's like, all right, fucking it's hard to win football games. It's hard to win against bad teams, let alone good teams. Same with Ohio State. I don't think, like I said, I don't think Penn State's all they're cracked up to be. I don't think they're as good as Penn State usually is. And I definitely don't think they're as good as Ohio State or, to be honest, even Michigan State. But that's just me. I don't think Penn State's that great. If you're losing to Penn State in a season where, like, they're not the usual Penn State, they're not Saquon and Trace McSorley Penn State that you got your doors blown off by. They're a weaker Penn State. You're not even getting to Ohio State with meaning behind it. Unacceptable. We'll see what happens, but I cannot wait to see what happens. Happy Valley is going to be crazy. I feel like Penn State's got one of the best home fields in college football. I love It's a shame. It's a shame it's a day game. I'd pay for this to be a night out or a whiteout night game, but although. Michigan, I feel like, always is their whiteout night game. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Penn State's going to want to win. Michigan needs to win. Harbaugh needs to win. It's going to be another brutal environment on the road, right? Maybe a little bit of flashbacks to the East Lansing trip that uh, they had where things started to not go their way. Who knows? I'm interested to see how everybody reacts, how Cade McNamara reacts. Huge atmosphere, good team. How Jim Harbaugh reacts. It is going to be an absolute blast to watch this game Saturday. Penn State, Michigan, always, I feel like, always have good games. And I can't wait. I mean, yeah, it's six and three Penn State. It's six and three Penn State. Like, you got to beat that team. You have to beat that team and give yourself a chance against OSU. You have to. Michigan State just lost to six and three Purdue. That was a game where it's like Michigan State. You have to win that game. You should win that game. Michigan, Penn State, I cannot wait. I think Harbaugh's legacy is on the line. I think his job is on the line. Like, if he makes it to the Ohio State game and they lose that, don't make the Big Ten, whatever, I still think most people are like, let's bring him back. If he loses this Penn State game and isn't even getting to Ohio State with that game mattering with a chance, I just don't see – I don't know. I just think it's for real like people evaluate – whether or not he should still be the head coach there. That's how I feel. Should be interesting, though. Should be interesting. Good win for Michigan this week. Good bounce back. I mean, that's what Harbaugh does, though. That's what Harbaugh does. He smacks around the shit teams. He beats up on the 0-6 in conference Indianas. He makes Rutgers look like children. He makes Maryland look like trash. That's what he does. And then Penn State or Michigan State knocks on the door, and he drops a fucking egg. That's what he does. So we'll see if... He can change that this year. I guess they beat Wisconsin, but Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, different animals. All right, one more quick break, and we'll do some Red Wings, and then uh, call it a day. 
Michigan, Michigan State, Lions fans, it don't fucking matter. One thing we can all agree on. These Detroit Red Wings. They're going to save Detroit. They've already, I think, saved Detroit sports. Like, I I obviously want the Lions to be good. I want the Red Wings or uh, Pistons to be good, Tigers. I'm already at the point. The Red Wings aren't even elite or anything. It's not like they're world beaters. It's not like we're undefeated here. These guys are 6-5-2. and two. The rookies look good. Larkin looks good. Bertuzzi looks good. I'm already at the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't even need other sports teams. I don't even need the Lions. I don't even need the Pistons to ever get good. The, the Red Wings being at the level where they're just night in and night out, I'm like, hey, I think they'll win tonight. The Red Wings are pretty good. Their top two lines are pretty good. Lucas Raymond's pretty good. The fact that they're like a 500, a little bit above, I guess, I don't know. It depends how you look at OT losses. But the fact that they're like a 500 team, it feels like they can beat anybody on any night. And especially they're above 500 when they have their full lineup, when they have Larkin and Bertuzzi and everybody else. The fact that they're already at this level, Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond are both the front runners for the Calder. Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond both are just our best players. It's like Bertuzzi and them two and Larkin. Just right, they're 19 and 20 years old. Right off the rip, they're just both our best players. People are like, damn, they cooked in the SHL. Raymond's coming off an injury. Man, I hope they pan out. Man, I hope they're pretty good. Man, I can hope they or I hope they hold their own. Not only are they holding their own, they're fucking holding everybody else's own too. On top of theirs. These guys are 19 and 20 and are already our best players. Think about that for a second. They went to a team which last year was more competitive, right? They were more competitive last year. Still, one of the worst teams in the NHL. A lot of nights where they just were never even in the game. We add Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider, and now anytime we have a full lineup, we're a winning team. And now all of a sudden it feels like we can beat anybody. They dominated a good Vegas team last night, right? That OT, they were down 3 nothing in that Sabres game. They could have quit. They could have mailed it in. They didn't. They came back. They won that game. Bertuzzi's fifth in the NHL in points. Raymond is 13th. He's a point-a-game player as a 19-year-old rookie or 20, whatever he is. This team, no matter what happens this year, they're off to the start and doing exactly what I'd hope, which is compete, which is be entertaining, which is look improved, which is make me believe that you can win any game any night. And they've done all of that and more. The rookies are better than I think anyone could have imagined. And the fact that they're both, they're both playing at such an elite level. Cider's our best defender. He, that's a fact. And Lucas Raymond with that top line, Larkin Bertuzzi, all three of them. He's one of our best players too. Some of the passes he makes, his ability to finish, he's kind of got that knack where he's just, the puck squirts out right to him in an unbelievable scoring area. The power play all of a sudden. you just The power play last year, which was unwatchable, you just plug in Raymond and Sider. All of a sudden, when that unit, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Zadina, Raymond, Sider is out there on the power play, it's like not if we're going to score, it's when. How long, how many seconds off the power play is it going to take? How many shots is it going to take? They are unstoppable all of a sudden on the power play. And all it is is adding two fucking rookies, bro. It's not like these guys are 25 and have been in the league for three years. These guys are rookies. This is the baseline. 
they're not supposed to be this good. Alexi Lafreniere, the kid who went 1-1 in the Lucas Raymond draft, he's got four points in however many games the Rangers have played. Lucas Raymond has six or seven goals. They're not supposed to be this good. They are not supposed to be this good. Mo Sider, the day we picked them, it was like, who? Mo who? Germany has hockey? What? Who is this guy? He's a top five defenseman. There are graphs or there's one I saw where he's rated like, I don't know what the metric was. He was rated like the fifth best defenseman in the NHL. He's 20. He's a rookie. Like this team is so far ahead of schedule. It actually, not literally because I still get sad about the Lions and whenever I see the Pistons or hear about them, it's more just like, fuck that. But I do get sad about the Lions and Tigers. But this team, the fact that they're ahead of schedule, the the fucking, the idea that not long ago seemed impossible to me, that a Detroit team's rebuild is going the way it should, it's going according to plan, it's going positively, it looks like there will be a fucking day in my life where they're competitive and winning again. Think about the other teams, the Tigers, the Pistons, the Lions. It actually is to the point where part of me, I'm like, there will never be a day where they're winning. There will never be a day where the Lions are in the playoffs. There will never be a day where the Pistons are like the Lakers. That like doesn't even seem possible. We're in the rebuild. We're acquiring assets. Cade Cunningham, Tigers got young guys. It feels like a mental block where it's been bad for so long and nothing really has started to go right. I mean, the Tigers were better this year, I suppose, but the Pistons, it seems to be getting worse from last year. We're the Lions fucking for sure are getting worse. It's at a point where it's like, dude, we've been rebuilding. We've been irrelevant. All those teams have been bad for so long. And outside of the Tigers a little bit, they haven't even begun to get better yet. And it's been like six fucking years. The Red Wings being ahead of schedule, honest to God, have me in a mind state now where I'm like, dude, I don't even care about the other teams. I don't even fucking care if the Pistons, Tigers, and Lions never win another game again. At least the Red Wings know what they're doing. At least something is coming together. At least one guy running one of the fucking teams here has a clue. And the craziest part about this, like I said, these guys are rookies. We're supposed to be bad. And when Bertuzzi misses games in Canada and Larkin was out, we are bad. Like, it's obvious when those two guys are out of the lineup, the Red Wings go right back to being dog shit. But with this full lineup, they're good. I feel like they can beat anybody in the league on any night. I feel like they can score goals. They get all kinds of chances. That first line, the Larkin, uh, Bertuzzi, Raymond, they can play with anybody in the NHL. Maybe not McDavid and Dreisaitl, but other than them, they can play with anybody in the NHL. They create chances. It feels like every time they are on the ice, every time they have it in the offensive zone, that line, I'm like, this is gonna, this is either gonna be a goal or we're gonna get a great look for somebody. It's a fucking crazy feeling. It's like saving my life when it comes to Detroit. I swear to God, everything's so pathetic except for the Red Wings. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And the craziest part, these guys are rookies. Steve hasn't even begun to use his cap space. Steve hasn't even considered 
the idea of going and getting a big time free agent that you don't have to draft. You don't have to wait for him to mature in Sweden or in the AHL. He hasn't even considered going out and getting a guy where, Oh, Hey, yeah, we just went and got this guy. He's one of the best players on the team. We just added him. Boom. Didn't have to wait for him to develop. Didn't have to trade him. UFA, bang, one of the best players on our team. We haven't even begun to approach that point. And this team is good. This team is comp- at the worst. The worst thing you can say about the full lineup Detroit Red Wings is that they're competitive. Is that if you come out and play a bad game, they can beat you. They can beat you if you play a good game. They make you play a bad game. They are a good team. They're not supposed to be good. This is still supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. Maybe not bottom five, but like probably bottom 10, bottom 12. They're not. They're not. They're in the playoff hunt right now. What I say at the beginning of the year, keep me interested. Let's stay within striking distance as long as we can. Let's let's be in the graphic when they show in the hunt for the wild card. Let's just be there for as long as we can. Let's make it 82. Even if you end up missing the playoffs, make it 82 where I got to see if you guys are going to win each and every night. That's exactly what they're doing, and they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. I think anybody, myself included, talking about that, like the Red Wings being being in a position where in game 80, right, they're within points. They're within a game of the playoff spot with a playoff spot or a wild card, whatever. I think that hope that – I don't want to call it a prediction, but that being the ceiling – like that was the absolute maximum. And it was like going in, probably not going to happen. Now, after they've started, you assume nobody major gets hurt. Why not? That's kind of what I expect now. Now the ceiling is making the playoffs. Now the ceiling is finishing 82 and being in the postseason. They're not going to win the cup. They're not. They're not there yet. But I think this team is capable of that. I think this team is capable, assuming Larkin, Raymond, Sider, none of these big names get hurt. I think this team's capable of being there at the end of 82 and finding themselves in the postseason. They're better than we thought. And they got a plethora. Berggren, Sebastian Kosa, Wallinder, Edvinson, Johansson, Soderblom. They have a plethora of prospects who are either in the AHL. Valeno played a little bit either in the NHL or in the AHL or they're cooking in Sweden. Top four U21 SHLers, all Red Wings prospects. They're going to probably get another decent draft pick this season. And they haven't even begun to make a trade to acquire a big name, right? Jack Eichel. Fast forward two years that Jack Eichel situation is occurring. The Red Wings are a team that throw their hat in the ring. We haven't even begun to get to that point. All this team is right now is guys we've drafted, they've developed, they've taken the time, and this team is ahead of schedule. And we've got handfuls. We've got handfuls of more guys who are on the same path, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, where they're having prolific SHL seasons. Handful. Edvinson is just Sider again. Johansson. Later pick, he's putting up points, offensive defenseman. Soderblom was like a sixth or seventh round pick. He's putting up points in the SHL. Berggren had, I, there was a list, I probably mentioned it last year in the SHL, U21 point scores. It was like the Sedin twins, Henrik Zetterberg and Berggren. We have handfuls of guys who are the, the work and their production in these other leagues 
would fucking infer that they're going to be NHL players and pretty good ones at that. Handfuls of them haven't even considered making a trade for a guy like Jack Eichel, an instant, instant superstar, an instant guy. You, Oh, we just acquired the new best player on the team. Like imagine this team we have right now, even if Stevie Y, he probably called about Eichel. I'm sure even if Stevie Y this year, this team, this season, you take this team and you just add Jack Eichel to it. This team, now it's like, oh, they, they might win a playoff series. Jack Eichel, assuming he has the same chemistry with Burt and Raymond, now Larkins, your second-line center with Zadina and Fabry, that line starts to cook. Zadina buries that. Robbie, he shoots. He scores more. You slot Larkin as a 2C, that line starts to cook more. Suter's going to be the third center. Suter's going to be the third with Ernie and who who's the other wing with Ernie? Nemestikov, or he might be a center too. But all of a sudden, everybody gets better. You acquire a guy like Jack Eichel. Not only did you just acquire a new best player on your team, you just made every single line much better. Larkin going against second. Dude, that Larkin line has been cooking this season. And they're one of their wingers is 20 years old, 19. Larkin as a second line center. Oh my God. They would fucking dominate that, that like a trade like that, acquiring a guy like Eichel, like an instant upgrade, instant best player hasn't even crossed Steve's radar. We haven't even approached that time frame for this team and they're already competitive. They're already winning games. They're already giving hope. It's an unbelievable thing. Thank God for the Detroit Red Wings. Thank God. God. And I can't wait to watch him tomorrow night. I, I can't wait to watch him every night now. That might be the best part about it. Wins, losses, playoffs, no playoffs, all that shit aside. The best part about it might be every fucking whatever, Tuesday, Thursday, anytime they're on, I'm like, I wake up, I look at the schedule and I'm like, hell yes, the Red Wings play tonight. I can't wait to watch. That might be the best part about it. They're fun. They're winning. They're competitive. They have star power fucking they're the one team that is rebuilding properly. Like that might make them more appealing. Just the fact that every other team in a rebuild can't figure it out. I don't know, but thank God for the Red Wings. All right. That's all I got today. Hope everybody has a good weekend, week, whatever. Hope you had a good weekend. Have a good week. Um, appreciate the support. All the listeners. We'll be back Thursday. Probably some lion stuff. Ugh. Um, probably more heavy on the college football, right? Maybe some Pistons. We'll see. I don't know. I saw Cade play the Nets the other day. He looked better. He had some nice baskets. He took KD to the hoop on one, which is cool. They still are fucking, they're tough to watch. I don't know. For me, they're tough to watch. So we'll see. I'll try to do some Piston stuff Thursday though. Anyways, in the meantime, hope everybody is well. Hope you're enjoying these last little fall days, these last 60 degree, nice weather days. And I will talk to you guys on Thursday. Oh, 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 oh,